And so I also get the privilege to announce, or I mean, you guys know who he is if you've been here before, but if you haven't, I'm gonna just introduce our speaker for today. Um, his name is Charles Park. Hey. And he will be leading us in a talk called Tell Me How, Please. Thank you. Charles. All right. Hey, guys. Hi. It's good to be back. I am now officially back in regular preaching rotation, so it's good. Good to be back. How have you? How was uh, your summer? You guys all right? We're now kind of moving into the fall, yeah? So, well... Anyway, during my time off, I got to watch some TV preaching. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of TV preachers. And since I had time, and I thought, hey, let's check out the competition. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Let's see what people are saying on TV. You know, what do preachers say? And, uh, And one of the most famous, probably the most famous, uh, is Pastor Joel Osteen. Have you heard of Joel Osteen? He is the pastor of the largest church in America. And he is on all the time. He's on a lot, right? In fact, he, is, he was on this morning. I watched a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, you're familiar with him, right? And... Uh, and I have to say, I kind of liked what he was saying. And I, I know he gets, uh, he's controversial. There are, there are criticisms and uh, attacks launched at him uh, for being prosperity gospel, if you know that term. Uh, living a very rich lifestyle. And, and when that hurricane hit, his church was a little bit late to respond, and he kind of got slammed for that. I don't know if you followed any of that. So, so there's like controversy surrounding this guy, and I get that. But I have to be honest, I kind of liked his positive energy. You know what I mean? You watch him, and he's very positive, and you kind of feel lifted up just watching him. I like that. And he has this such emphasis on hope, and faith, and a loving God, and and positive mindset, positive life, encouraging people to keep up positive thoughts. For example, in one sermon, he preached about not judging prematurely, instead to keep positive mindset. Um, And he had lots of folksy stories to go with it. He tells a lot of stories. Now, these stories have each problems, okay? And I'm not even sure if they were real stories, <laughs> you know, but they were memorable and interesting. In one instance, he told a story of a housewife. She would uh, look out the window of her kitchen, and she would see the laundry hung out by her neighbor. And it was not done very well. It was just sort of like, you know, still kind of dirty. So she thought, oh, you know, maybe it was very hard to wash that week. But then the following week, she looked out and and it was kind of dirty again. And week after week, she would look out and it was just always kind of dirty. So she would say, boy, you know, she would say to her husband, you know, boy, our 
our neighbor just doesn't know how to do laundry very well. You know, have you noticed? It's just not very good. And this would just happen week after week. But then one day she looked out and surprisingly, the laundry was very clean. And so she uh, commented to her husband, did you see that? Our neighbor finally learned to do her laundry right. Boy, they took it long enough, you know. And then the husband said, well, honey, um, actually, uh, I-, I cleaned the kitchen window today, this morning. <laughs> so you get the point, right? It-, it wasn't the neighbor who couldn't do the laundry, right? It was that their kitchen window was dirty and it made everything look dirty. Now, I realize the story has its problems, right? I, I mean, how is it possible that you don't recognize your window is dirty for that long, right? If she ever went outside and looked at the laundry, she would see that it would have been clean. I mean, does she ever go outside? And, and why is it that it's the man that corrects the wife, right? I mean, it kind of rankles you a little bit because the woman is kind of made out to be petty and, and a little dumb, right? And it's the man who's the rational one who has to correct the wife for being petty. Uh, it feels a little bit like a story out of like 50s Reader's Digest, right? <laughs> a little patriarchal and condescending. But if we can get past these problems, right? If we try to listen to the essence of what he was trying to communicate, his point, I felt, was a good one, right? He is trying to say... When we don't like what we see and we are liable to judge, you know, other people, oftentimes it's our own perspective that's the problem. It's the mind that we are looking out of, the kitchen window that we are looking out of, that's the problem. It's not not the problem of the people or uh, the world. So instead of judging or getting negative mindset, He's saying, let's keep our mind free of prejudice and and try to see the positives, you know, clean your kitchen window, your mind through which you see things. I kind of like that point, right? And he followed that up with another heartwarming folksy story. He just has so many, it's just like rapid fire, you know, like you, you get like 15 of these in like one sermon. But, you know, he's telling a story about a man in his 90s and he just can't not take care of himself anymore so he's finally being moved into a nursing home and and in those situations people are usually kind of down and depressed and feeling like hey you know i can't take care of myself anymore my life is kind of over and people are kind of in that kind of depressed mindset right so as he was being wheeled by the the nurse into his room the nurse is trying to cheer him up And so she's pointing out all the nice activities in the facility, all the nice things that's available. And then, you know, as they were nearing the room, she was talking about how everything's arranged so nicely in this room, all the furniture and all that. And and the old man uh, says to the nurse, you know, it's all right. You know, I already made up my mind to like my room. You know, it, it's, it, it's, it doesn't matter how my room is arranged, how my furniture is arranged, because I already arranged my mind to like what's there. 
And that was memorable, right? You know, how is your life arranged? Uh, instead of thinking about that, arrange your mind beforehand to like what you see and your life will go much better. It's a good point, right? And, and it's just all pointing towards the similar exhortation, you know. See things positively. Clean up your kitchen window. Arrange your mind. To see things positively. Don't judge others negatively. Don't judge your situation negatively. If you do this, your life will go better. I like that point. It, it goes with the scripture that says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Be grateful in every situation. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Right? It's a very scriptural, it's a great point. It goes hand in hand with what Pastor Osteen was saying. So despite all the problems with these stories, I just thought, I, I like this point. It's encouraging. It's uplifting. Now, what I found more of a problem is that he kept telling story after story and kept exhorting people to remain and maintain positive mindset. But what if you find that hard to do? You know what I mean? Sometimes I find... Yeah, very hard to keep positive mindset. And, and then to hear that it's God's will to rejoice and to think positive, positively when that's the very thing you're not very good at. Right? Some people fall into depression. And you can't really help yourself but to think negatively. Right? And, and then it just makes it one more thing we're failing at. Right? That is something that God's will for your life and you're not doing it. And so it can make you even more discouraged and depressed. So I found myself thinking, I'd love to hear more about how to do this. You know, I agree with you, but how do you do it when it's hard to do? How do you keep a positive mindset when that's your very weakness or when circumstances are overwhelming? Completely agree with the point, but I need more tips, uh, more helpful perspective on how to do it. Because I feel like, how is the hard part? You know? It's easy to talk about what leads to good life. Uh, do the right thing. Work hard. Don't steal. Don't get addicted. Don't cheat. Exercise regularly. Eat healthy. Does anyone want to disagree with any of that? Right? You guys already know all this, right? But how do we do it? So it's not enough to say what the right thing to do is. We need the house. That's why at the river here, we, we try to include practical suggestions in every sermon because we feel how is important. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And I find that to be a very powerful verse, very clear and powerful statement. Talk is easy. Have you heard that phrase, talk is cheap? It's easy to talk about what to do. Doing it, <laughs> that's another story. But faith is about doing it. It's all about doing it. So we're going to start a mini-series called Tell Me How, please. Just for a few weeks. 
Then we're kicking off our fall series called How Faith Can Make Life Better. I'm looking forward to what's coming up. Should be good, right? Let me pray for us as we begin. God, uh, we ask your spirit and your power to be here. We thank you that your kingdom is not just talk and beliefs and things that we believe, but it is a power to do what is right and what is good and what is life-giving. So we pray now that even as we hear what to do, that you will supply us with the power to do what leads to life. That this year, this fall, that this, this season will be full of power that we could get to a better space. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so how? How do we stay positive and not judge prematurely? Now, I have to give you some, you know, uh, qualifiers. I, I can't promise that what I'm about to say will work for everyone. You know, it's, I can, all I can do is give you some tips and helpful perspective that have helped me. And I know it will not work for everyone. But it's good to attempt to try to give you some steps and try to break down the steps on how to stay positive gets a little easier, right, to analyze it and break down to steps when you're talking about how, right? And that's what I like to do uh, this morning. The first step I like to suggest today is analyze what makes you feel good or bad about yourself. Because I think the motivation behind judging others has a lot to do with our own self-esteem. Uh, the woman in Joel Osteen's story that was looking out the kitchen window I wonder if she may have put worth or pride on being a competent housewife. You know, uh, that can kind of lead you to judging others on how well they're doing and being a good housewife. And then we construct our sense of self, our self-worth on positive qualities we have that we have judged to be important. I mean, what do we judge and why do we judge? Right? I mean, I pride myself on being competent and being able to get things done. Right? That's something that I built my self-esteem on. And so I end up feeling bad about myself when I feel like I'm not being competent. And I judge myself on uh, when I feel like I'm not being competent. You know, I know how to do this, but somehow I made a stupid mistake. I, that gets to me. And when I look out, you know, I mean, the other day I was driving. And uh, you know when people break traffic laws, you know, like do things like, uh, you know, turn right from the leftmost lane or some people just walk out into the streets, you know, and it's not their turn. And, and that can really get me judging, right? Does it? But here's the thing, right? Right? Here's the thing. If they're doing it competently, you know, then I actually admire it. Right? If they're not like bothering anyone, but they're just smart about breaking the law, then I'm like, good job. Well done. I mean, they broke the law, but I'm like, no, that was, that was good. But when they're being stupid about it, Right? It really doesn't gain anything for anyone. Like, if it's, if it's like, 
you know, by breaking this law, you don't gain anything, right? It's already all blocked, and you just block the, the intersection. So nobody can go, including himself or herself, right? It was just a stupid move, right? It, it does nobody any good, not even the person who is breaking the law, and it just makes everything worse. That's when I kick in, right? I'm like, oh, you idiot, right? Why would you do that? I mean, you don't gain anything by it, and you make everything worse for everyone else. And I just, like, start to judge them like crazy. You know what I mean? Right? So it's not that they broke the law. It's that they were being incompetent, right? That's that's the kitchen window I'm looking out of, the competence. And I'm sure you have other things that you are looking out of, these values that you have. So these values that we have built our sense self-worth on, they end up becoming the values through which we judge others on. So it's good to think about what do you feel proud about? What is it that makes you feel like, ah, you know, I'm a worthy person. I'm a good person. You know, the sense of self-worth you have built your, you know, your identity on. I mean, it could be success. It could be being smart and being good at school. It could be having lots of friends. It could be being righteous. It could be being kind. It could be being pretty. It could be being good at relationships. You know what I mean? It could be... So let's just take a little bit of time and think about that. What is it that you have built your sense of self-worth on? You know what I'm talking about? Let me give you just 30 seconds to just think about how do you feel proud about yourself? Okay, I trust you are able to think about something that you like about, about yourself, right? Everyone has something that they built their sense of worth on. Now, let me be clear. These are good things, right? It's good to be competent or successful or whatever. These are good qualities. It's good to pursue them and have them. But it's also good to be aware that these things can affect the way we look at the world and others, right? It's the kitchen window that we look out of. And it is affected by these values we have, right? It could be success, wealth, beauty, righteousness. And it distorts how we look at things. Are we agreed on that, right? These are the values that uh, we judge everything on. So this is why even positive qualities... (laughs) And positive achievements can have a dark side, right? Not to sound like Yoda or Jedi's, everything is positive and negative, right? But it's true, you know, these, these are positive things, but it can have the dark side on the other side of the coin. And actually, I believe this is connected to the most troubling problem with what is known as the prosperity gospel that we began the sermon with. Um, Prosperity itself is not the problem. Pursuing prosperity is not a problem at all. I want us to be very clear on this. 
God wants you to prosper. God doesn't want you to, you know, be in the dumps. God would, God would, God has no problem with you pursuing success, enjoying success, enjoying positive things in your life. Prosperity itself is not the problem. But if the goal of faith is to prosper, if it becomes in such a way that prosperity and success is the sign that God is blessing you and God has approved you, which the prosperity gospel goes into. The prosperity gospel says, if only you keep your faith, if only you believe the right things and do the right things, and if God is approving you, He will bless you, and all these successes and prosperities in your dreams, what you're pursuing, will come true. It's a sign that God is approving you and blessing you. Right? That's the prosperity gospel. Believe, and good things will come. God will bless you. And so then the problem is, what happens if, you, if these things don't happen? Right? If, if success and prosperity is the sign of God's approval on your life, well, the world already judges you on success and prosperity and whatever else. Now you add on God's blessing and approval on top of that. Wow. Your entire sense of worth and value will be wrapped up in whether you are getting the things that you want. It'll be all about whether I'm succeeding or not, right? Your self-esteem, your entire self will be based on that. And ironically, if that happens, then it becomes impossible to stay positive through the ups and downs of life. Because when you're down, and not only have you failed, now God is cursing you. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, you know, a mountain is on top of you now. And what if success never comes? What if you stay down forever? What if your dreams never come true? What if what you want in the depths of your heart never happens? What if you get incurable disease or you stay poor forever? I've got to tell you, such things happen. You know, it's not impossible. Such things happen. What will, and, and, and if that happens, what will that mean if you believed, if your faith is, you know, God will bring good things to you if only you keep up the good faith. You know, if you believe that. And I have to admit, a part of me believes that too. Despite all my effort not to, a part of me thinks all these things I do for God and believe, God owes me. God's got to bring some good things to me. And I shake my fist at God if good things don't happen. Right? A part of me believes that. Despite all my effort not to, and the reason why I try not to believe that, is because what happens to our faith when things don't work out? What will happen is either God has failed us or we have failed God. There's no other option, right? Either we didn't do good enough, we didn't believe enough, 
do good enough things. We are somehow falling short of the uh, standards God has set. So we are not approved by God. We are not blessed by God. Uh, God has cast us out. God has abandoned us. We have failed. Or God has failed. God didn't come through. There's no other option. But the fact is, even the, the people most blessed by God, people most approved by God, can end up experiencing failure after failure to the very end. Right? Consider Apostle Paul. Would you agree he is approved by God? I mean, who more after Jesus could be considered, you know, more blessed and approved by God? Right? Apostle Paul, you know of him, right? And if you know anything about him, if you read what he said about his life in the Bible, OMG, <laughs> it's horrible. When he said, when he lists the things that has happened to him, he is constantly jailed, constantly tortured, constantly going through things like shipwrecks and like, you know, in the sea for like days, starving, poor, abandoned, betrayed, cast out by his own people. And in the end, he was executed as a criminal. It's not as if he went through all these bad things. So at the end, he was, uh, you know, recognized and he was lifted up and he became Pope and, you know, God came through. No, you know, after three years of horrible failure after failure, he was executed, right? And what did he have to show for this? Just a few churches he left behind, the number dozens, you know, dozens of members. Not very large, you know, not like Pastor Joel Osteen, you know. He, he had like dozen people <laughs> in, in some of these churches. Not much to show for. And yet he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Oh, what a powerful verse. What a powerful verse just dripping with the authentic power of the living God. This is the power of faith. The power of faith is that you can be happy even when you are down. Power of faith is not, the faith doesn't promise you you are going to triumph and become powerful and successful if you believe in God. That is not the power of faith. After all, we profess to follow a man who got executed on the cross. That's not a powerful end. He doesn't rule empires and has any power. That's who we are following, guys. Right? The power of faith is that even when things are not working out, you can be as content and happy as as no man has ever experienced. That is the kingdom of God. And that is so powerful. 
Because the mind can make heaven out of hell and hell out of heaven. You can have the best circumstances. Every dream you pursued, it comes true for you. It can still be a hell. The mind can do that to you. You know? And there are many examples of very rich and powerful people who live hellish lives. And the mind can make heaven out of even bad situations. Now that's what I want. That's what I want. So I don't know what will happen in life. But if I can have this inner power to make heaven out of every situation, don't you want that? That is worth going after. So faith is not about staying positive in order to get prosperity. Faith is about staying positive even when you are down and you stay down. So that you become unafraid of failure. Not because you know you will succeed. You don't know that. Nobody knows that. Anyone can get struck by cancer. Anyone can get struck by some accident. Anyone, anything can happen. And all of us will die one day. None of us can live forever in this world. Agreed? But the message of the cross is, no matter what happens, even in failure, you know you are worthy. You know you are loved. You know you are valued. It's not because you are successful you are approved by God. You are already approved by God. Not because of what you have done or believed, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Amen? So it is already secured. It will never change. Your worth and value in the eyes of God is infinite. And in that secure place, you can experience peace. Not as the world gives, as Jesus said. This is the peace that Jesus can give you, not as the world gives, because the peace in the world is always dependent on what is happening. But what the peace that God can give you is unshakable contentment and peace, as Paul so eloquently and powerfully testifies to you. And that's why Apostle Paul is such a towering figure that even 2,000 years later we are talking about, and he has influenced billions of people because of that authentic power of the living God in his heart that shines through. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want your lives to be like, shining beacons in this dying world where you can be examples. Because no matter what is happening, you have that unshakable peace and contentment in your heart because you know you are worthy no matter what happens. And from that secure place, you will be more successful anyway. (laughs) You're more liable to become more successful when you live like that. Amen? So, this is why Paul says, through him who gives me strength. It's God's unconditional love for us that brings contentment through the ups and downs of life. So, 
To do all this, my next step is to let go of what makes you worthy in your own, in your own eyes and turn to the unconditional love of God. This is the only way you can rejoice always and be grateful in every situation. And this is why praying continually is necessary. So to go back to the verse we started with, rejoice always, pray continually, be grateful in every situation, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This verse is not telling you to do three different things. They are all connected. In a way, it's all one thing with three different facets. I mean, you can obviously see rejoicing always and being grateful in every situation is connected, right? That's, a, that's I mean, one goes with the other. But praying continually is not a separate thing. It's connected because that connection with the unconditional love of God is really the only way you can rejoice always and be grateful in every situation. Right? Do you get that? It's the only way. How else can you be rejoicing always? It's that powerful love of God that gives you strength to rejoice always. I I felt this work in my own life. Not always, I have to be honest. Sometimes I get down and stay down. But sometimes I would turn to God. When I'm tempted to think everything is going to pieces, I'm falling apart, the world is falling apart, you know, people suck, I suck. Have you been in that space? You know, you can relate to this, right? And sometimes you can wallow in that. But then I remind myself to empty myself, to let go of all those important things that didn't happen, all those values I have that didn't come true, to let go of that, empty myself. Because that's not what my life is based on. Let go of them. And then invite the love of God to fill me up. Then it comes. There is this warm glow in your heart that rises up. Anybody feel that? Yeah? When you empty yourself and invite the love of God, there is that that strange otherworldly peace that starts to seep into your soul. And it starts to lift you up. And you start to feel better. And you don't understand why, because things suck. But you feel better. And there is this confidence and resilience that rises up in your heart. And it brings a pep to your step. You start to see everything a little better. And life starts to feel better. Can anyone relate to that? Anyone? Yeah? It happens sometimes. Not always, but it's there, right? There is a source of power we can tap into that can turn your heart around. That's the power of the cross. Amen? Amen. So to sum it up, I kind of like what Pastor Osteen was saying. I believe God wants us to to be happy. God wants us to prosper. But that's not the end goal. It's not getting what we want. It's getting our heart to where it needs to be. We have to clean up the kitchen window. You know, these values, those are good things, but we have to clean it. And we have to substitute it, you know, with something else. Because never mind the dirty kitchen windows. These days, it's, it's just getting worse and worse. We have always compared ourselves with others. 
by looking out the kitchen window and seeing our neighbors and how they're doing and what they're doing and, and comparing ourselves. But now, never mind the kitchen windows. We have Facebook, right? We have Instagram. We have Snapchat. And we are constantly looking out the window and looking at what other people are doing. Is my vacation better? Are they doing... You know, are they dread, are they wearing better things than I am? You know, are they being a better parent than I am? Well, what if they are being better than you? How would that make you feel? And what if they don't, and and you are a better parent than them? Well, what does that mean? Do you see the modern life and what it has trapped us into? We are constantly in that space, and the mind can make hell out of every situation, right? So, yes, let's pursue and enjoy successes and achievements, but let's take care, clean up our kitchen windows. We need to substitute that kitchen window with success and all those values we have. We have, we have another slide, right? The next slide. We need love of God to replace all those values and we need to look at everything through this rose-colored <laughs> kitchen window, right? And then the power of faith will come to you. We are loved. We are accepted. We are valued. No matter what is happening. And let's look at everything from that space. So let's pray now. Let's try to do this even now as we... Turn our hearts to God. God, we come before you now and we ask that you would come just as you promised with your power. God, we, we repent. We turn away from all those positive things that we have built ourselves on. We let go of all those things we must have. We empty ourselves. And we turn to you and ask that your love will fill us up. That from the depth of my, our hearts, from that deep place where the deep calls unto the deep, that we ask that your Spirit of God would reach out to us and put something precious that can never be taken away. That this deep-seated knowledge that we are loved, that we are valued, that we are worthy in your eyes and it can never change. That that's who we are in the cross. Help us, O oh God, to build our self on that solid foundation that we can make heaven out of every situation that comes at us. That is the blessing spoken over us today. In Jesus' name, Amen.